Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to ELI, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Karun Tadapalli, who is the co-founder of Byte Excel, which is an online platform for self-learning course and guided training on uh, coding. And it uh, it is preparing the next generation of coders into the workforce of this world. Uh, hi, Karun. Welcome to ELI. Hi. Hi, Priya. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. Uh, so, Karan, I would uh, request you to introduce yourself to our audience and uh, tell us a bit about your pre-entrepreneurial journey. Like, where were you born and brought up? Where did you study? Where, which all places did you work for uh, before starting your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. Yep. Um, my name is Karan Tadepalli. I'm co-founder and CEO of Bytexel. It's an edtech startup. We are focusing on higher education. Uh, our business model is uh, primarily catering to B2B model, right? Like where we uh, help the empowering the engineering colleges, what we call as transformation of engineering colleges. We work in collaboration with the colleges to empower and enhance the quality of education, what they are getting. <clears throat> That's what we do as Bytexel. Uh, just a little bit background about myself. Uh, I was born and brought up in Hyderabad. Uh, uh, half my life I was uh, in Hyderabad and the other half I lived in Dallas, USA. I'll just talk about uh, how I uh, went to US and uh, so yeah, just like any uh, Hyderabadi, I think uh, the okay, I was motivated to become an engineer. Uh, so I went to uh, I did my engineering from JNTO Hyderabad. Uh, <clears throat> the, and then then the early 2000s there was a frenzy to go into US uh, right yeah. like right after completion of engineering. Uh, and at that point of time, I think the IT phenomena was just starting over there. So uh, there is more craze like uh, go, going to US at that point of time. I was one of those people. Uh, so where I got an opportunity to go to US, uh, I completed my engineering, <clears throat> went for master's uh, to Texas, uh, University of Texas mm -hmm. in Dallas. And then that's where I kind of settled in. So first half of like, like 20 years of my life is in Hyderabad. At, I think another, I've been there for two decades now, uh, another mm -hmm. two decades in uh, US. Uh, and then through masters, I went there after completion of masters, obviously another FOMO kind of kicked in, which is getting into IT. Um, my bachelor's was in electronics and communications. Even my master's was communication theory, but later on shifted into IT. Uh, I started my career as a, a Java programmer. Uh, I worked for telecommunication for the initial few years of my life, then moved on to healthcare. I worked in healthcare for another five years. Uh, after that, uh, I kind of uh, worked for Accenture. Before starting Bytexel, I was with Accenture. <clears throat> well, while working with Accenture, I was a partner over there uh, and then uh, primarily focused on building products in emerging technologies, right? Like I worked on uh latest technologies like aml right like and then blockchain iot and all that stuff uh so uh primarily uh focused on financial services is where i was uh, kind of uh, uh parked into in accenture and also at the same time i was uh, working with the csr part of accenture uh <clears throat> where we were helping a lot of non-profit organizations out in silicon valley and also some part of uk uh, where I worked in uh, building products in a pro bono and all that uh, through the Accenture and all that. So that's where I think I got a little bit of exposure into my entrepreneurship journey also. 
um, one of the platform that we were building is pretty similar to LinkedIn, but it was for entrepreneurs. While building that product, I understood the nuances of entrepreneurship, mentorship, revenue, fundraising, and all that stuff. That's where uh, I always had, always had the tinge for being an entrepreneur. I tried it out in early to 2010s, right? Like around 2012, 2013, uh, I had a small startup, uh, which was also pretty much in EdTech at that time. It was called Brainy Buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, worked on it in stealth mode for a couple of years, but uh, didn't know how to convert to a revenue model. Uh, and then after three years, I said, I need to pause that idea. So I, and then, uh, as I told earlier, went back to Accenture, worked there. And when I learned the nuances of the entrepreneurship and business, I would say, went back to the same idea. That's what Bytexel is today. Got it. That's my... Yeah. Speaking of the same idea, tell us what is Bytexel, what all uh, products and services that we have. And moreover, what is the problem statement uh, that we are catering to? What is it that we are solving? And uh, are there any other players who are solving it? Uh, how does it work? Yeah, great question, right? So what Bytexel is doing today, as I mentioned earlier, we are working on transformation of engineering colleges. Uh, as I said, uh, went back to the same idea. So when I thought about EdTech in 2013, uh, maybe there were not many players. Uh, Khan Academy has been a great influence to think about it, right? Like I thought what Khan Academy has been doing for school education and in mathematics, I thought will be I'll be able to do it in for IT, uh, right? IT skilling is what I was thinking about. And at the same time, music has been my passion. So I thought I can do something on music also where we can help, uh, uh, especially the novice or beginners to start learning online. That was the idea at that point of time. Uh, when I, <clears throat> uh, in 2019, 2020, when I thought about uh, doing, getting back to entrepreneurship and starting, there, there was a huge shift in it. Compared to 2013, I think there are a lot of tech players that has come in, uh, especially in India, right? I think by that time, there are a lot of big players. Unicorn started coming in India. Uh, what we uh, identified was like, uh, there is a lot of frenzy in K-12 space. Uh, there are a lot of tech companies working from K-12. And then there are other tech companies focusing on uh, reskilling and upskilling. Uh, post jobs are right, like... Uh, upskilling our to get promotions or going for higher salaries and all that <clears throat> there were very few players i would say uh, who are focusing on uh, uh, the college education uh, at that point of time they were called finishing schools and all that so the basic idea was like at the fourth year when the fomo kind of kicks in to find a job or something mm-hmm. uh, so there are players who are helping uh, how to crack these interviews get a job and all. <clears throat> i'm sorry what we have realized is like, uh, uh, as I talked about, like there's so much of frenzy from K to 12, suddenly the learning abilities are going down. So like, uh, right like uh, right after joining undergraduation, whether it's a degree diploma or engineering, uh, one to two years, the kind of intensity was going down a little bit. Mm. Coming into the third year, obviously, right, like you have to find a job and all that. So again, they're looking for an opportunity, so how to upskill themselves or be able to be employable and all that. What we have identified is like suddenly if there is a dip in learning and if you are not catching up with the industry trends, it's hard to catch up in the last six months of your uh, degree or engineering, whatever you call it as. Mm. Uh, so that's the problem we try to address. So basically our idea of Bytexel was to help the students right from 18 years to 23 years 
to keep the learning curve going, right? Like everyone has to be a lifelong learner. So without the getting that deep, so that was the initial idea. So when we started uh, in Jan of 2020, uh, we thought like, uh, especially we focused on engineering colleges. As I said, uh, we are a B2B. So we thought we'll go to the engineering colleges, empower the students because they have already signed up for these programs. They have the will and intent to uh, improve and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, in reality, what happened was <clears throat> half of the 2020, I know everyone has seen that has gone down. Um, and they kept mostly in uh, <clears throat> lockdowns or whatever you want to call it. Uh, right. And since we were focusing on B2B, right? Like we were not able to reach to the colleges and all that stuff. Uh, hmm. So uh, even after the post uh, first phase of COVID, when the colleges were trying to uh, reopen or something, the, uh, still the situation was not so great and like everyone can go back to the colleges and all that. <clears throat> Uh, so uh, we were, we became an alternative for them, right? Like uh, we were an online platform. Uh, there is a possibility of uh, online learning and all that at the same time. We had a platform. So that's how uh, I think we started getting traction also. Mm -hmm. One good part about it is like because of this COVID, there were tailwinds to a, a tech industry. As a whole, you have seen that there was a huge boom, right? Like so we were part of it. Uh, and then the college started signing up. We had a lot of students and everything. At one point, within two years of our execution, we are at 93 colleges with over 120,000 students on our platform. Mm. Uh, but one thing is like, as I said, uh, we always wanted to start from first year of uh, their undergraduation, but the first year enrollments were not happening because uh, the entrance exams were delayed. The students were not signed up into first year. So what we had was like, we had students from second year of engineering. Mm. And then uh, the even the hiring was at the peak uh, during the 2021, 20, 22. Right. So most of the college students, they were getting their job by second semester of third year itself. Right, like uh, so a lot of uh, So instead of getting 100 hours from each year of the student time, we only got 100 hours in second year and another 100 hours maybe in second year. Uh, we were not able to uh, implement what we were thinking. So mm -hmm. at that point of time, uh, what we realized was like uh, the skilling level is not up to the mark, right? Like uh, obviously placements are happening because of the hiring frenzy and all that. Uh, we were getting the great testimonials from the colleges, students and everything. Uh, but we felt the skilling could have been better. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> what we decided to do was like at that point of time, uh, just to pause to think back about our idea, right? Like because we wanted to start from first year. So we said like, like uh, we cannot just focus on skilling for employability or something. We wanted to focus on learning and skilling. So it is Bitexel 2.0, I would say, where, where we thought about it. And then we started as a transformation of colleges. Uh, and then how do we do, do the transformation of colleges? Uh, the first thing we figured out was the curriculum is outdated, mm. especially if it's a private universities, right? Like uh, they're a little better, obviously. Uh, the curriculum gap, what we found was seven years. So some, so for example, the technologies that are being used in 2015 and 16 is what being taught in the colleges today. And mm. if it is come to affiliated and autonomous college, it's 15 years outdated. Right. So uh, something that being taught in early 2010 or maybe 2008 is what being taught in colleges today. So the first thing we thought is like transformation of curriculum. So we started with transformation of curriculum. That's first thing we did. And then second thing, what we observed was there's no tech in a classroom mm. and we are scaling for IT industry. 
it's the IT industry, it's all tech, and then you know the kind of research that's going on. The R and D is that's a different league in all the big uh, corporations, like uh, especially the way, uh, for example, Tesla, the car drives by itself, right? Like the mm-hmm. AML, it, it, right? Like it's a, at its glory, I would say. It's a, Tesla is a great example of AML. Uh, whereas the uh, kind of academic world is far behind that one, mm. right? Like so, the next one is like how do we tech take it tech into the classroom? Uh, though there is so much of frenzy on tech and everything, I would still call it as remote learning. What we are happening, just like you and me are talking right now, right? right? Like it's all remote learning that's happening. Uh, we were thinking how do we make it a real online learning? Or how do we take this tech into a classroom? Because we are not trying to get the student out of the classroom into online setting. Because uh, every parent today want their kid to go to college, get a degree, right? Like, and they want to be successful. So most of the students are still sitting in the college. So mm. we decided to take the tech into the classroom. That's another part. First is modify the curriculum, make it updated, take the tech into the classroom. So that way they're, they're not just working on mobile phones or tablets, but also actually working on laptops or desktops. So that they can code on that one and then give exposure into all the new age technologies like cloud computing, AML, cybersecurity, and all that practically, right? Like demonstration is a big thing. So mm-hmm. that's the second part of it. And third one is how do we do that? Right? Like obviously, today, as you know, even AICT has claimed that uh, there is a huge shortage of faculty by itself. Mm-hmm. If you add skill, I think it becomes acute shortage of faculty. So right. we are also right like a bitexel educators using this tape right like they are going into the classroom and uh, doing it uh just one thing today we are like more in person right like uh, initially uh, during covid phase and post covid also we were online but today like 80 percent we are in person in classroom as i said with the technology in a classroom that's the biggest difference instead of technology online we are taking tech into the classroom three so these are the three components transformation of curriculum tech into the classroom and third one is uh, uh, the faculty who can skill, uh, who can teach with this technology. Uh, more than teaching and everything, we believe in discussions in the mode, right? Like lecturing mode, today students who don't want to be in the lecturing mode. Yeah. So we are trying to make the classroom more of a discussion kind of a thing. Mm. So that's what Bytexel is doing. Got it. Uh, curious to understand one thing. Uh, uh, most of the edtechs today, they struggle with user acquisition, which is one of the most difficult uh, and most expensive uh, um, items in the list for any take out there. So I uh, would like to understand uh, how did you go about user acquisition in the initial phase when you were an online learning platform and how is it happening uh, now? So as I said, uh, so DNA is uh, B2B, right? Like uh, uh, working at Accenture, I've been part of a pre-sales. So the, uh, pre-sales has always been my second nature of the job. That's one of the reasons why we decided to work on a right like B2B college kind of thing. And then uh, once we uh, get into this, uh, right, like uh, acquire a college, you get around like 1,000, 2,000 students. Mm-hmm. And also, this is a perpetual business, right? Like, uh, so it's uh, one, it takes longer cycle to sign up a college. It may take two to four months to convert them. But once you convert them, they're going to stay with you for next three to four years. So we don't have any attrition in terms of colleges. So we have been retaining colleges for last three years continuously and we hope to continue to do so. Um, and how we are able to do it is, uh, as I said, uh, for us, it's direct marketing. We don't have any digital marketing or anything. 
So we have our BDMs reach out to these colleges. Uh, it's a very cognitive sale also, right? Like a first understanding of the needs of the college. What are the gaps there? Socioeconomic status of the students, academic backgrounds. Once we have an understanding of that, that's when we pitch it to the college. Mm. Though it takes two to four months, as I said, the time that you are spending. But uh, so in terms of customer equation cost, we are almost at 0.01%, I would say, with the long-term value of uh, what the college revenue would be. So mm. that's one of the biggest difference because we we are not believers of lead generation nor like uh, uh, digital marketing and all that stuff. We believe in cognitive sales, understanding of the needs of the customer and delivering to the needs of the customer is how we are approaching to that. And then uh, even for the scale and everything, right? Like uh, uh, so uh, where we would play a role is being part of the consortium or maybe something like uh, partnering with uh, APSSDC and the business uh, soft skill development center or maybe something like that. Ask in Telangana, like right, like and then reach out to the colleges, uh, create a brand name. Uh, that's the approach that we are taking. Uh, so that's why our customer equations are costs are way low compared to most of the competitors in the space. Got it. Um, can you also tell us a bit about how do we? What are different uh, revenue streams we have, and who pays us in the whole cycle? Is it uh, pay per use? Is it uh, per student basis, or college pays a fixed cost? Cause how does it work? That's a great question, right? Like, uh, I think uh, I'll talk about the latest model. As we are talking about, we are a transformation of engineering colleges. The idea is uh, work with in collaboration with the college, right? Like college is going to be our uh, subscriber and student is a consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, so we get paid from the colleges, right? Like the, the model is. And also, uh, depending on the number of courses that we are helping in a particular college, Generally, in engineering, there are over 50 to 55 courses, including theory and lab uh, uh, in the four years of their education. And uh, may, can, we are only focused on the courses that are uh, helping with the employability of the students. So, for example, as we are today only focusing on IT skills, we take uh, the uh, courses that are programming related and then take into expert courses. What we call as expert is basically cybersecurity or DevOps, cloud computing, uh, AML data science, full stack development. These are the courses that we do, right? Like, uh, so taking from programming into these advanced courses is what we kind of work. So depending on the number of courses, for example, if you do 20 out of 50 courses, right? Like it comes to 40% of the, the courses and then uh, the revenue sharing will be depending on that, right? Like, uh, so the idea is, we get into revenue sharing where colleges take care of uh, the administrative infrastructure and everything and we help them uh, with the uh, skilling part of it so our revenue model is very straightforward we only have one product right like today and then like, uh, one pnl and that's what the revenue sharing mm. what what were uh, some of the biggest challenges you have uh, faced so far while uh, building and growing this venture uh, yeah, obviously everything comes with hardships, right? Like, as I said, when we started this uh, startup, right? Like uh, that day one, the second day we were able to sign a college and we thought yeah, the, it's going to be a rosy road. Uh, mm. And then the next day we, we realized we were kicked out of a college saying that uh, they don't need this model. Uh, so it was like in two days, we realized there is a up and a low 
right? Like uh, that's how it is. And then uh, we started executing in the college that we signed up. Uh, we started in Jan of 2020. So mm. for, for one and a half month, we have been executing in that college, right? Like to get understand the ecosystem and all that. And uh, COVID kind of impacted and everything is shut for next uh, four months. Uh, and in our business model, we were not looking for uh, B2C or anything, right? Like, uh, so we were thinking about colleges. Uh, we didn't know whether to change the business model, what to do and all that stuff. And it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. We stuck to our guns and we wanted to be uh, just a B2B player. What we did was like, uh, we just partnering, start partnering with APSSGC, like I was mentioning. So we were doing faculty development programs, webinars for free. And then parallelly, what we did was like we gave our platform for free to over 2000 IIT and NIIT students just mm -hmm. to get a feedback, whether it's an intuitive platform or not. Um, and uh, the feedback was uh, not so great, uh, right? Like that, like we were expecting, because as we are building, we felt it was a phenomenally intuitive product and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, but in reality, it was not so. So that's one of the challenges. And then the parallelly, the faculty development programs that I was talking, they were going great. So when we have like thousand registrations, we are getting 10,000 people. So mm. we were doing live streaming YouTube and Facebook to reach out to all the audience and all that. What it told was like a hybrid model is what it is going to work because they needed someone to teach, right? Like I talk about these one and all that. If faculties need someone handholding them and navigating through, so we realized student needs even more. That's how our hybrid model came into existence. Otherwise, we were thinking it's as a self-guided learning or a SaaS platform kind of thing, but uh, that's when real. So today we are a tech-led services, I would call as. Um, so, uh, so basically there was a lot of learning uh, that came through this. And then after that, I think there was a frenzy like I was talking about, right? Like uh, uh, we were able to convert our, the colleges as our customers and started delivering. But one and a half year into the business model, as I said earlier, um, the, we were not getting the kind of the response from the corporate world as we assume. We mm. thought like people will be hiring from Bytexel and these students are phenomenal. They're just going into the projects on day one. It was not happening. Uh, so we had to go back to our drawing board, uh, right? Like uh, uh, start uh, deliberating again, right? Like, and then we had a two months of lull period just to understand what was going on, right? Like, uh, mm. because we have a revenue generating business, we were uh, seeing the students getting uh, placed, uh, success was coming, but I think not in the way that we were expecting. Got it. So, yeah, yeah, just to continue. So at that point of time, what we did was like, we had to pivot, right? Like, uh, so we had to pivot our business model, uh, make sure our vision and vision is intact. Right, like, and then we decided uh, it's a big decision that we pause on sales, what we were doing, and uh, change the business model. Uh, and then it kind of worked out. I think uh, uh, we got our product market fit right now, and then there is stickiness to what we are offering to the colleges, and barriers of entry was also increased. Mm, got it. Uh, uh, just a few more questions left. Uh, uh, I think uh, this is the question I want to ask every entrepreneur. So forget about the industry you operate in, the product you have built. In general, as an entrepreneur, what are the, the biggest lessons that you have learned that we can take away and probably apply to our ventures as well? Uh, so I, 
one of the things is right like uh, being uh, everyone says that entrepreneurship is being dynamic and all that i think it's fairly true uh, what i've realized is also uh, i was maybe a little conservative in my decision making at some point of time uh, unless there were proof points validity i was not uh, making those decisions but today uh, a startup is all about experimenting because uh, you are finding new solutions so there is no uh, proven path for this one so every day as an entrepreneur you need to be able to willing to experiment and like uh, willing to learn from it yeah, okay if the experiment works out it's great that it will convert into results even if not then there is a great experience that you are getting uh, so one of the things is definitely right like uh, uh, making informed decisions and take decisions quickly as quickly as possible and try to execute because market is the only one which is going to tell whether it is going to work out or not right like a uh, sitting in a drawing room will not tell you whether it's going to work or not uh, because end of the day customer need we need to understand what customer wants right like and we need to cater to the needs of the customer so that's one big thing and being dynamic making the decisions as quickly as possible and making with informed decisions is the great the one thing that i learned in this journey so speaking of the journey, uh, can you tell us why, what inspired you to uh, become an entrepreneur? Is there a trigger point in your life that, you know, uh, made you think that, yeah, entrepreneurship is something I want to do? Uh, I wouldn't say it's something that happened on a flash or something. Uh, as I was like, one of the trigger points was like, while I was doing my MBA, uh, I went to uh, University of Texas, uh, Austin, right? Like where... I was doing uh, my MBA um, in one of the classes. I think uh, the, I, I thought I was going there to get promotion in my job. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the professors told that uh, if you are doing MBA and expecting promotions or something, that's not the right thing to happen, right? Like uh, it's basically come uh, entrepreneurship is the thing which where you can build something perpetually and make a change in the world. So that was one of the trigger points it happened. Uh, but maybe that was in my subconscious mind, I would say, at that point of time. Uh, and the next thing, what I got inspired, as I mentioned earlier, was Khan Academy. When I looked at Khan Academy, I felt like uh, this is a different way of learning, right? Like, uh, because till that point of time, uh, right, like if it is a multiplication table or something, I was just marking up. But when I looked at uh, how the basics have been taught and all that was, was very different. So the idea also, right, like we are basically... The idea of you can execute it differently, the same traditional models, that's one thing. And then the, the thought of that, uh, if you have to build something perpetually, make a change in impact, these are the two strong foundations that are kind of triggered. And then uh, as I'm uh, growing in my career, right, like I was getting promotions, growing and somewhere I was not so happy, right? Like uh, maybe because I was not able to uh, execute what I was thinking or maybe I wanted to do something different. Uh, so I think it's part of like uh, one trigger to the next trigger, which led to uh, the decision today uh, where I am. I think from these uh, trigger points, I think uh, uh, I, I came to know about the business model that I want to do, right? Like I was uh, a tech kind of inspired and then the thought process of building something unique, uh, kind of the other thing that got in, that inspired me. And uh, as I said, uh, even in my uh, professional experience when I was helping the, the, the some of the startups 
to build build their startups ecosystem and all that kind of uh, these kind of things like it's a sequential events i would say for me which triggered and then uh, i think it, it it reached a point where i had to do something for myself mm. and uh, i don't think i'll be thinking of even going back to a job now right like uh, i think this is how the, the, what i want to do for the rest of my career wow uh my final question uh tell us what what do you understand by the uh, term entrepreneur what is the meaning of entrepreneurship for you how would you define it great question right like uh see entrepreneur uh, to me is uh i think it's a lone battle first of all uh the as i said uh uh entrepreneurship or startup or any right like anything related to business i think it's a very lonely place right like uh, so luckily i have my brother who is a co-founder of this company so i'm able to brainstorm with him i think uh, yeah even that may not happen for a lot of people but this is a very lonely place because you have to make a lot of decisions right like and then you can only make those decisions Mm. and then uh, uh, you need to be able to think about the execution plan also uh, you don't right like uh, th there may be a lot of mentors advisors right like and then your team everyone will be there but end of the day it's about the decision making right like and then the second one is like how quickly we are willing to learn from the market i think these are the things right like uh, the faster you keep learning faster you keep experimenting and better decisions that you make i think that these all makes uh, an entrepreneur uh, and then creating something different in the world right like than what it is existing today i think it's all about changing the world uh, is entrepreneurship for me uh, because you know edtech is in time tested model that education yeah. has been there for thousands of years it's at hundreds of years at least uh, right. as we know but now we are trying to change that a little bit right like uh, Uh, and then it is a need of the hour with so many techs companies coming in, uh, and also uh, uh, the student learning habits changing, fast evolving technologies and all that. Uh, I think it's very, uh, it's a different world. You, we need to create something unique. I think AR, VR, artificial intelligence, everything kind of uh, uh, can be uh, that drivers of growth for this one. Mm. Uh, so looking forward to making a change in terms of education. cool uh on this note uh, we will close the session uh, thanks for joining us karun and uh, spending some time with us it was a pleasure to have you on our platform and our best wishes for bitex sir thank you it was great talking to you priya i think i love the conversation uh, likewise we are looking forward to thank thanks. you thank you karun thank you. have a good day